0: Welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola.
1: Welcome to another episode of Fertility Conversations. Today we are joined by a lovely guest, Lana Douglas, also known as the Chief Hope Officer. And I can certainly attest to that, she really is uh, the Chief Hope Officer, does so much on her page to inspire every single day. Lana is a women's advocate, published model, influencer, writer, and motivational speaker. She understands that her platform, Hope Still Stands, is way bigger than her. She's made it her life's mission to share experiences with fertility struggles, sexual abuse, depression, and reproductive health issues as well. Lana has been married to the love of her alive, Tim, for 18 years. She is a proud mom to two miracle daughters, Olivia and Ania, after going through years of infertility as well as secondary infertility. Her details would also be in the show notes. So welcome, Lana, and thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you so much, Ola, for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Yay, thanks for being here. And we usually start by saying, tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Yes, um, I am a survivor, a model, a motivational speaker, a women's advocate, a wife, a mother. And um, I just share my story to inspire and ignite hope in others. I've been through so much and overcome so much. And I know that my story matters and other stories matter. So I just continue to share my journey to be the voice for those that are still suffering in silence.
1: Thank you so much for doing that. And so important that you highlighted it. Really is great when you see, you know, read about your story, you hear about your story. It really does keep everybody else inspired and encouraged because infertility can be such a challenging journey. So thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you. So before we get into the fertility journey, I wanted to ask how you and your spouse met.
0: Yes. Oh, so my husband and I, we met um, working um, for a retail store and I was the cashier. Actually, we we started an orientation and I saw him. I was like, like 19 years old, so I was really young still. And I thought he was cute and I didn't think anything of it. I thought he was just too good for me, you know. So years later, he actually approached me and asked me out on a date and the rest is history. I was, you know, um, he just really swept me off my feet and loved my skin and loved me just for who I was without me having to change anything. So um, and after that, we've just been on this journey together through the ups and downs. He's been by my side and he's just my love. I call him my love and he is that love.
1: Oh, that's so sweet. And thank Thanks. you to that employer. Wow. I know, right? <laughs> Little did they know, right? <laughs> Little did they know. Wow,
0: <laughs> so, oh, That's so cool.
1: Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, when you met or before that, I always just wonder, was there any point in time that you knew for sure you wanted to become a mom or did it just happen over time after you met and you got married?
0: No, yeah. As a little girl, I would play with my dolls and I'll always rock them, you know, like they were my babies. And um, I always longed for, it, especially because I have three siblings and I just saw how my mom and my dad interacted with us. I always wanted that. I wanted to to be a mother, um, not realizing the journey that I would have to take. But as a young girl, I did have that feeling. You know what? One day I would love to be a mom.
1: And you have a condition, uh, uterus. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us what that is for anyone listening? i not sure. And how were you diagnosed with it?
0: Yes. Yeah, so a Didelphus uterus means you have two complete separate horns. Like, um, there's a separation in between, um, like a, the average woman has one uterus. It's just shaped like almost like a triangle upside down triangle, but mine is split down the middle. So I have two complete separate horns and I also have two complete separate uh, cervixes. So um, some women that have also have a didelphous uterus will also have two uteruses, two cervixes, and also two vaginas. Um, It's not talked about that much, but I um, share this part of my reproductive health journey because I know there's other women out there that maybe are never been diagnosed, maybe are suffering in silence, dealing with horrible periods. Um, For me, um, at the age of 10, I started my period and it was just horrible. I was having horrible cramps, bleeding on myself, having accidents at school, having accidents at home. It would just come out like water. And I always felt like I would cramp for a couple of days on one side of my stomach. And then like three days later, I'll be cramping on the other side of my stomach. And I would explain to my doctors, you know, something's not right. At the age of 15, I had my first pap smear and the doctor said that my cervix was invisible. Did not find out until I was um, in my 20s, almost mid-20s, when I finally was diagnosed with having a double uterus and a double cervix. And- the doctors say, yes, you have two completely s- separate systems. So I was in it, like, basically having two periods every month and no wow. one was listening to me for 10 years, 10, over 10 years, actually. Um, I would explain to the doctors, like, I'm in so much pain. I'm popping ibuprofen like, like candy. I'm just excruciating pain. Sometimes i would miss school. Then when I started working, I would miss work. I remember being at the cash register one day at the same retail store where I met my husband and I'm ringing, ringing up customers and blood just gushes down my khakis. <sighs> I had to back, uh, back into a uh, office closet, call my sister and my cousin, and they had to wrap a blanket, uh, not a blanket, a jacket around me to rush me out the store. And, you know, just embarrassing moments. And finally being diagnosed in my mid-20s, it was like validation. Like, this is what I've been screaming at the top of my lungs. I feel like I'm having two periods. What's going on? And so that's when I was finally diagnosed. And it just, after that, it was like a whirlwind after finally being officially diagnosed with a double double uterus and a double cervix. Wow. Mm -hmm. That must
1: have been so much Mm. such a young age to go through yeah. all of that in your teenage years and then to even make it worse, to have the doctors not even listening or not even taking enough time to actually see what's going on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very frustrating. My poor mom take me back and forth. My dad take me back and forth to the hospital, going to the mercy rooms. They were telling me that I had a cyst on my my ovary, that it was growing from a golf ball size to an orange to a grapefruit. Well, that was my right uterus filling with blood because my right cervix was closed. So all those years I would have that gushing. Once my right uterus couldn't hold it anymore, everything would gush out. So finding out in my mid twenties that I had the didelphus uterus, I was also told that I had endometriosis. So all that stuff, that blood was wrapped, lupian tubes wrapped around both of my uteruses. And it was like, this is what I've been trying to say especially as a Black woman, sometimes you feel like you're not being heard or that we can tolerate the pain. It's Mm. like, come on, we're the strong Black woman, so we can tolerate it. No, no. Sometimes we can't tolerate it and we need someone to listen. That's why it's so important that we elevate our voices no matter what. And I'm so grateful that I didn't give up. I, I continue to seek out doctors seek information. And I finally found the right doctor at John Hopkins. God bless her that she really listened to me. She did a full thorough exam. And she says, I think you have a a, a double uterus. At the time, she didn't know what type because there's different types. So Mm -hmm. please, please, for the listeners out there, look up different types of uteruses. There's unicordiate. There's biocoordinate. There's so many different types of uteruses, but they're not, it's not talked about in health class at school. It's not talked about, you know, amongst the women um, that you see at work or in the store. So you don't hear about this, but there's women, girls out there suffering, dealing with this pain. And then also finding out you have endometriosis and fibroids. It's so much going on. That's why it's so important that we share our stories.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And thank you so much for doing such a, an amazing job in sharing your story. Because again, like you said, there's so many other people that are probably working around dealing with this as well. And when you don't, when you don't hear others talking about it or others dealing with it, then you think it's just you, and you you probably just suffer in silence and isolation, not wanting people to know because you think it's just you're the one that is just you, right? Mm-hmm.
0: That's how I felt for many years. Um you know looking at my sister looking at my mom I'm like what you know why am I going through this and you yeah. start to second guess yourself like why especially because on top of that I was bullied as a little girl I went through sexual abuse as a little girl and now I'm dealing with this bleeding and cramps it was like what else could happen to me so you do feel like you're the only one Woe is yeah. me you're the only one because you don't hear the stories especially in our communities for years you know you know our four parents in our community, in the Black community, they didn't share what was going on. If grandma had a miscarriage, they kept that to themselves. If someone had to have a hysterectomy, they didn't say anything. If somebody was dealing with mental health issues, oh, well, that's Uncle so-and-so, don't worry about him. It was just something we did in our community. And so we don't, for a long time, we're not sharing our experiences with our family members and with our friends. So then you do feel like you're going through it by yourself because you're not hearing any other... Um, people going through what you're going through exactly mm-hmm.
1: and you know you knowing the fact and of course you highlighting that we don't speak about it enough and we don't have those conversations and people try to do a lot of hush hush knowing mm-hmm. that's the reality oftentimes and that was what your reality growing up as well why mm-hmm. did you decide to then speak about it knowing that how much of a taboo subject it is
0: I think I started to realize that, you know, you've come out of this, like I'm saying from, you know, myself, I've come out of this situation. Mm. So I can't be the only one. There's millions of people on this, on this planet. There's someone else out there that may have been going through, you know, living with one kidney or having a double uterus or any other reproductive reproductive health issues, or maybe not sure of themselves or not loving themselves or thinking that they're ugly. And it's like, if I don't share what I've been through now that I found healing and forgiveness for myself and those that abused me and hurt me, I'm holding my testimony to myself. That's a disservice. That's a disservice to God, to myself and my family. So I'm like, I have to help others. Even if it's just a post on Instagram, even if it's just telling my story at a conference, if I help one person, one girl, one woman that is going through, it may not be strong enough to share what they're going through. If I do that, that means I'm fulfilling my purpose.
1: So well said, Lana. That's so beautiful to hear you speak about how, you know what your inspiration behind all of your advocacy work is. And thank you so much for choosing to share and choosing to raise your voice. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and just for anyone listening, wondering how they can tell, are there any symptoms for the diagnosis uterus? Anything that they might look out for, or do they need to basically go to the hospital to get diagnosed?
0: Yes, yeah, so some things that were um, standout points for me, like I said earlier bleeding for, you know, having cramps for three days. And then it's like, oh, it slows down on my left side. My my leg is not in so much pain anymore. My back is feeling a little bit better. And then all of a sudden my right side is cramping. It's like, that's a a red flag right there. Like, wait a minute. Why am I having like a couple of days of cramps and then it goes away. And then all of a sudden I'm cramping again on the other side of my body. That's a, a key right there. If you are bleeding like a lot and you're filling up your pads a lot talk to your doctor like something's not right if your stomach starts to descend or um swell up you know you maybe have you know blood filling up in your uterus I remember when I um went in to have that first laparoscopic surgery she was like I looked like I was six months pregnant I never even thought about it I was a really thin you know young lady at the time just with a belly, I just didn't under, you know, really didn't pay attention to my belly. And she was like, no, you look like you're about six months pregnant. And it's like, we sometimes we're thinking, oh, maybe it was because I ate too much or whatever. Just keep an eye on those things. If you feel like you're gaining weight in just one area, which is your belly, you may want to talk to your doctor. If you feel like you are very anemic, always cold, that's from bleeding a lot talk to your doctor. If the doctor doesn't listen to you, that one particular doctor, find someone else and keep going because it's your body. I had to keep going. Even at that time, I was still dealing with low self-esteem and not understanding my worth. I had to fight and keep going and keep researching. And um, I'm just grateful for that courage to keep going because if not, I would still be suffering in silence and I'm 40 years old now. So it's so so important, it's so important to use your voice, even if you're afraid. If the doctors are not listening, pack your stuff up, put your clothes on, research another doctor and move on. Thank you. So Mm -hmm. well
1: said. Speaking out and advocating for ourselves is so, so important. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for highlighting that. Thank you. while we are speaking about, of course, your symptoms and your laparoscopy, I actually just thought about it that. Um, it'd be great to hear, uh, as much or as little as you'd like to share about your fertility journey, um, before you then have your two wonderful miracle daughters now. Yes. yes.
0: <laughs> so, um, for like, I have my first daughter, excuse me,
1: <coughs> sorry,
0: excuse me, mm. drink some water. Sorry. I had my first daughter. Um, in 2013. But before that, I went through eight years of infertility. My husband and I went through that, went through um, after being diagnosed with the double uterus and a double cervix, they also diagnosed me with endometriosis and three fibroids. And I was, if the right words would say, I was overwhelmed. Because I never heard of endometriosis. I never heard of fibroids. I definitely never heard of women living with a double uterus. And I always knew I had one kidney. I was born with that. Um, My parents found out when I was born that I also had blood on my stomach. But the doctors at that time did not research why I had blood on my stomach. I really think that was a sign about the double uterus. But I was a baby. So, you know, um, but fast forward back to finding out all the you know things I was diagnosed with, my doctor said, well, we got to start you on infertility drugs. So they first started me with Clomid. So I for months I'm taking Clomid, we keep trying, I'm I'm um doing the ovulation kits and pregnancy tests. Like we're like buying them left and right and going to ultrasounds and blood work. And it was just a whirlwind and we still were not getting pregnant. And mind you, I had three laparoscopic surgeries. So I had the removal of the endometriosis. I had to get a um, Foley catheter put in to open up my right cervix. And then I had to get it taken out. So it was a lot. (laughs) So um, after doing the Clomid and still weren't getting pregnant, my doctor said, well, IUI will not work for you because you have a double uterus. It's just not going to work. So let's get you um, set up with a specialist so you can do IVF. my husband and I were very optimistic at this time, this is years that are passing by. This is probably six years at this point. And, um, you know, I was very optimistic. My husband was also, so we go have our consultation and we start the process. I'm driving back and forth from work to this appointment to do ultrasounds, back and forth to get blood work the whole nine. And finally it's transfer day. And, um, we do the transfer. I'm so excited. I'm crying, you know, Um, But I remember the doctor that was doing the transfer having a hard time getting the speculum to um, connect, I guess, with my cervix because of my double cervix. I remember that, but I was still optimistic. So when my husband and I went home, we were so happy. I was crying, so happy. Time comes, the nurse calls us and she gives us the results. Mr. and Mrs. Douglas, just want to let you know the results is negative. I remember dropping the phone and screaming, crying. I was angry with just how this process has happened and, how we still were not pregnant. I'm thinking like, we are good people. We're doing yeah. all things right. We treat people right. We go to work, we go to church. We were just good people. I honestly was upset with God being a you know a preacher's kid, being a Christian. I was like, Lord, what? I see people left and right giving up their children, left and right complaining. I have two girls, but I wanted a boy and a girl. I have two boys, but I wanna, it's like, really, we just want one. So I was just so upset, hurt the depression that I've had and the low self-esteem that I had for years from, you know, being a young girl dealing with bullying and sexual abuse, that really rose up. It was like a dark cloud. I was so depressed. I was having thoughts of suicide. And I remember one day my husband was at work working night shift. And I literally, I always share this because it's important. I know there's other people Men, women, girls, boys that have gone through this where you're at your lowest. You feel like you your life has no purpose. I remember looking at the butcher board with all the different knives, the different, you know, shapes and how sharp they are and the serrated knives. And I'm pulling up each knife to see which one is sharp enough to cut my throat. Because I was like, I can't give my husband a child. I'm, I'm remember, I'm still that girl that those all old, old thoughts of being too dark and being ugly and being touched they were rising up. Like you can't even get, you can't even get pregnant. So yeah, you are worthless. And I remember pulling the sharpest knife and and the Lord said to me, your life has a purpose. Hope still stands. So that name, my middle name is actually hope. But all the years up to that point, I didn't understand what hope meant. I'm carrying the name La Anna Hope, but not understand who I am. And he said, your life has purpose. And I remember putting the knife back into the butcher board. And a couple of days later, my husband said to me, you know what, let's just move on. Let's not even think about having children. Just let's just love each other just as we are. Let's just move on from the infertility. Let's not even think about, think about it. And literally it was almost eight years. We went to this this ball, we danced, we just loved each other. We just we're free. Five months later, I wake up and I said, "Let me take a pregnancy test." My husband is not in the bed. I'm like, "Where is he? He's downstairs." At the time, I don't know what he's doing, but he's downstairs. I get up. I said, "Let me take a pregnancy test. If it's negative, I'm not going to tell my husband because we're used to this." I, you know, I was like, I, "It doesn't matter. I'll just take the test." I get the test. I do what I have, you know, I do what I have to do to take the test. And I said, Leanna, don't look at it. Give it three minutes like you're supposed to. Don't look at it. I looked at it right away and there was two lines. I remember screaming. My husband runs upstairs and he's like, what's wrong, baby? What's wrong? And I'm like, there's two lines. I didn't even know what that meant. I've taken so (laughs) many pregnancy tests and I've only seen one line. So two lines. I'm like, wait, what do you mean? I'm like screaming. I'm crying. I'm trembling. I don't understand. And my husband looks at the box. He was like, babe, that means you're pregnant. I'm like, no, there's no, I see your line. There's no way. Wow. The next day I was able to get an emergency ultrasound because I was high risk. And lo and behold, we were pregnant, five weeks pregnant with our miracle daughter, Olivia. Now back to what my husband was doing while I was taking the pregnancy test. I have to always mention this. He was laying on the floor, praying and reading about Hannah in the Bible, how she petitioned the Lord for a baby, not knowing at the same time, I'm upstairs taking a pregnancy test. Wow. I mean, That's
1: God amazing. does all
0: things well. He does all things well. And now our oldest is nine years old. Wow. So it's a blessing money. Yes. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. And then God took us on another journey. After having her, we thought we would get pregnant right away with our second child. That didn't happen. So years go by, years go by, but we were content and grateful because we had our one, we had our miracle, our first miracle. We we were content because we knew there were so many others that were in the place we used to be in, feeling we would never have children. So we were grateful. We were like, no, Lord, you blessed us with this one child. We can't take it for granted. But we were longing still for another. Fast forward to... December 2020, actually October 2020, I was having so much pain on my left side. I never had problems with my left uterus. I said, something's not right. Go to my my primary care, go to get an ultrasound. They said, it's a cyst on my left ovary. I said, I don't I don't believe you. I said, something else is going on. Well, those fibroids had grown. Those fibroids that I was told to not worry about grew over time, had surgery in February of 2021. We were pregnant with this miracle that's laying in my arms right now. We found out in September of 2021, we were pregnant. She came into our lives. I gave birth to her April, 2022. So two, these two miracles, I went through eight years of infertility before each one of them. And now we are, we are the proud parents of two miracles, nine years apart.
1: What a testimony. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, so, so inspiring. Thank oh, my you. Yeah. Oh, so Thank beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing and really just raising awareness. But it. it's so, so important because again, I'm sure there are other people listening or someone out there just hearing your story or feeling that exact same way that you might have felt mm-hmm. in between your journey and just wondering what's going on. Why is God taking so long on this whole, you know, when he blesses so many other people? Mm -hmm. I'm not even trying. So thank Mm -hmm. you for sharing. Thank you. And all through growing, I mean, all that time, nine years apart for your two daughters, all that time, how did you find support? Were there other people or anyone else that you knew that was dealing with infertility or something similar?
0: Yeah. So what's funny that you mentioned that because when I was going through infertility in my twenties into my thirties with our first child, I didn't know any support groups. I didn't know anyone else going through infertility. I didn't know anyone that was, you know, going through what I was going through. So it was really hard. The second time around, it was so much support. Now my family always supported and loved and prayed and was there, but seeing someone that you could relate to, I didn't find that in the first the first go around, but the second go around, there's so many support groups, so many women that were telling their stories that helped me along the journey, um, and I'm grateful. Like for women like you, there's so many women out there, so many support groups and platforms that are not afraid to speak up on infertility and IVF and you know all the other things that women go through. So that has been even greater support and then it it allows me to continue to share what I've gone through. So um, that's why it's so important to have these support groups and platforms and the many various women from different backgrounds to share their story because we are so much more alike than we know. It's not based on our color or our, our, our economic status or where we're from. There's so many, we're linked and we don't even realize it. Yeah. You know, we we're linked and it's like, we have to be unafraid to um, be a light for others. We have to be unafraid to use our voice. So um, I'm grateful this time around my mindset was so much better. I was depressed those years ago. This time I was optimistic. I was grateful. And I was like, whatever, God, whatever you have for me, whatever you have for my family, for my husband, it it is well, it is well with my soul. It, it, it was completely different. So yes, it's, it's a difference this time around.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that. And of course, you know, you, you highlighted during your journey, uh, how this impacted you also your emotions and your mental health and the depression. Mm-hmm. And, um, and of course, we're so thankful that God spoke to you during that time, uh, uh one of your lowest moments, mm-hmm. um, after that time or during that time, did you find any support with counseling or how were you able to go through that on a daily basis?
0: Yes. Much prayer. Um, talking about it was very, um, helpful to me. Mm. Um, my, I want to still go to a therapist. I have yet to go to a therapist. Um, there's a lot of things that I feel like, I think we all, let me take, let me say it this way. I feel like Therapy should be afforded to anyone that's going through infertility, anyone Mm -hmm. that just gave birth, anyone that goes through postpartum. Therapy should automatically be part of the medical system without us actually searching for it. It If you're doing IVF, okay, part of the IVF process is you're going to see this therapist, you're going to see this psychologist, you're going to see this, you know, social worker, so that you could talk about your feelings while you're going through, oh, we're going to put you in a support group with other women that are going through what you're going through, other couples. I really, that's one thing that I'm advocating for, and I'm going to continue talking about, and I want to talk about more. When you're going through infertility, when you get pregnant, postpartum, because even when I got pregnant, I still, the fact that you go through infertility and you become pregnant and have a baby, you still are part of the infertility community because that part of your life never goes away. It's yes. still something that stays with me. Just like that little girl that was sexually abused, she's always with me. I, I cannot say, well, it's done. Now I'm not saying I'm walling, wallowing in the pain I'm not wallowing in the pain or being depressed about it, but it stays with me because I can relate to anyone else that is currently in that situation. So therapy, I really believe therapy psychologist, social worker, along the journey, journey from infertility to motherhood, we should be afforded a therapist regardless of whatever step or whatever part of our journey we're in. It should be part of our medical, um, you know, our medical benefits. journey. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you so much for highlighting that. Really, really so important. And I'm so sorry that you also have an experience of sexual abuse while you were growing up.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, thank, thank you.
1: Thank you for speaking out about it as well. Thank you. And of course you mentioned, um, again, going back to the fact that no one really speaks about this and you changing that narrative you're speaking out you're using your voice you're advocating for women's health and fertility journey sharing your story helping others to feel alone which is all such incredible things that you're doing mm-hmm. I wonder if for anyone listening as well what can we all do to help create more awareness and educate people and for people to be less judgmental right because mm. sometimes people might be like well I don't want to do IVF IVF is not like Proper, quote unquote, I should do it naturally. Why did you have to do that? Like,
0: Mm -hmm. how do we
1: all get to understand that? Yes, different paths to parenthood, but still, God, isn't it? Or, you know, what are your thoughts? And what can we all do to be less judgmental with different paths to parenthood?
0: Yeah, you know, it's like every body's on their own chapter in their story, and you don't know what it took for us to get to the point we're at right now, I've learned to not be judgmental of other people because I don't know what they went through. I don't know what they're going through. I, you know, they always talk about IVF, the test tube baby. It's not those things when they say that it's, it's it's not funny. It's not funny. It's, it's like, you don't know all the, the things that a particular person may have went through. They may have had loss they may have been trying and trying for years and they still cannot get pregnant. And they're like, you know what? I'm trying IVF and I'm doing multiple cycles and I'm still not pregnant. You don't know what people are going through. We have to be more caring. We have to be more compassionate towards others. You just never know. Because the one time you say something um, that is derogatory or as a joke, that may be that one time that that person falls off the cliff. You never know. And we have to be careful of how we treat others. Like case in point, one thing that I highlight every time April Fool's comes up, I repost that it's not funny to come out and say you're pregnant and then like, oh, I'm just playing April Fool's, April Fool's. You never know what people are going through. That's a trigger for someone that may have lost their baby or have been trying for years. Um, I just was at a conference recently and a a woman got up and shared her story. She said, you know, she was happily married and they've been trying and trying for years and she has fibroids and it's just been a, a, a long battle. And her husband left her, you know, her husband said, I can't be with you anymore because you can't give me children. We never know what someone is going through. And then on the flip side of that, if you are someone that is going through, be unafraid if you can, and it comes with healing. It really comes with healing, but be unafraid to share parts of your journey. It 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 also, as I've been sharing over the years, it's helped me find healing because you hear other people say, "You know what? I went through the same thing you went through." I, I have been so a- afraid to share what I've been through, but because you're sharing your story now, I can share mine. So it, it's very important to be compassionate, but also try to share your story as much as you can. Well
1: said. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. And for anyone listening, you know, because you said so many amazing and inspiring, and you've really encouraged many of us right now uh, with sharing your story and all that you're doing. Uh, For anyone listening and wondering what Hope Still Stands platform does and what's the best way for them to reach you can you
0: please share sure yes i'm on instagram at hope still stands and it's just like how it sounds h-o-p-e still s-t-i-l-l stands and um i am modeling i am sharing my story i write sometimes for different platforms and um i'm a women's advocate so you'll see me post Sometimes I feel like I'll post a picture and yeah, that captures, oh yeah, I see that picture and it's beautiful. But it's the story, it's the verbiage that I have with that picture, with that reel that I want to leave with the listeners and my followers. So definitely find me on Instagram. Um, You can also contact me there if you ever want to just talk. I check my DMs often and um, I just want to continue to inspire and I hope that whatever I do, is leaving um, something special on your life that you feel like you can make it.
1: Oh, it definitely is. And I love your reels and your <laughs> platform on Instagram. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and just to ask, in terms of the infertility and the whole journey, how do you say that has impacted you and perhaps <laughs> your relationship with your husband?
0: Oh my goodness. Um, the first eight years of, Going through infertility, it was pretty stressful. Um, we still held on to each other, but it was stressful. We were both stressed out. Now we—that's something I also want to touch on. We always talk about what the woman is going through, but yeah. men are trying to be strong for us. But we don't know the pain that they're going through, and we always have to—we have to be careful to never forget the man's perspective. And my husband, you know, he would go to my doctor's appointments with me. And I'm not saying every man has to do that, but he, he would do that. He would go to the doctor's appointments, take me to my surgeries. And um, I just remember how it impacted him. And over the years, we've just gotten even closer. We fell in love all over again. And um, it's just great to be parents now to two miracle girls, to see him as a, a girl dad. It just warms my heart. It's just all I've dreamed of and what I wanted for him to experience and wanted for us to experience. Um, But I also want to say, even if to the listeners out there, if you don't ever, ever get pregnant, if you don't ever have children naturally that come out of your womb, you are still enough. You are still worthy. When I was going through infertility in my twenties, I didn't see my worth. I thought my worth was in having children because the Bible says to be fruitful and multiply. That's what I thought my worth was in. if I had children, okay, then I'm worthy. I was worthy. If I didn't have children, if I wasn't married, I was worthy all by myself. You are worthy by yourself on the journey. You are enough. Remind yourself daily. You are enough. And then if you're blessed with all these other things, that's all right, but you are enough anyhow. So, so it's, it's so important. We can't lose ourselves on the journey because I felt like a robot going through IVF. I'm like, I'm just a robot. I'm just going through the motions. Look, I was still enough, but I didn't see it then. I see it now. <laughs> and it's so important that we don't lose ourselves on the journey because we can get lost. We can be carrying the baby in our womb and still feel like we're a robot. Don't forget who you are.
1: So powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. And you know, so much has happened over the years uh, with all you went through through your journey and even your teenage years. If you could go back in time to speak to perhaps, I don't know, eighteen-year-old or twenty-one-year-old mm-hmm. Lana, what would you tell her?
0: I would tell her the journey may be hard that you're about to go go on. <laughs>
1: I actually wanted to say hello. Yeah, it's about time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The journey you're about to go on may be hard, but it's going to be worth the fight. You are strong enough. You are able. You have a purpose in this life. So keep going. Your voice matters. Your life matters. So keep going every step of the way. it, it, It may seem like you will never get to all that you feel that you deserve, but it's going to happen. You are beautiful. You are special. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the time is going to come where you'll be standing while the dust and things going on around you, you will still be standing. So don't ever give up.
1: Oh, I love all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So well said. Thank you. This is a wonderful, and this is actually affirmations for all of us as well. We can keep repeating that and reminding ourselves of that every single day. So still very applicable today. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you. And as a wrap up, what words of encouragement or advice would you give any other person or couple listening and currently trying to conceive?
0: either primary, infertility, or secondary? Definitely to be encouraged on the journey. Um, also to speak to your family members. Find out if anyone else has been going through what you've been going through and maybe have never shared it. Um, I found on my journey that my mom had issues with bleeding. My sister had issues with bleeding. My, my aunt it's like, wow, we didn't talk about it as much but once i started speaking and asking it was like yeah i've been having these issues and i had to do this and that so definitely talk to you know your family members if they don't want to talk about it that's okay at least you 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 know tried did your best to get some information from them but on your journey be encouraged know your worth use your voice no matter if the doctor says you have to go down this route. If you don't feel, you know, easy with that, that decision, then go for a second opinion, go for a third opinion. And for those that are, are married or in relationships, hold close to each other. Don't forget that your love was the foundation first. So hold on to each other. For me, God is our foundation, but our love was what we were standing on. So don't, don't lose what you all, you, you started when you became one or, or got married or, you know, became, um, you know, got into a relationship with each other. Don't lose who you are and what, and what made you fall in love with each other in the first place, but never give up. I am a witness that it's not over until God says it's over. Don't ever give up. When it's your time, it's going to be your time. And like I said before, but if you don't ever have babies naturally, there's so many other avenues. I mean, it's things have changed, surrogacy and adoption and foster care. There's so many other avenues. And just being, you know, a volunteer or helping a child in your neighborhood or in your church or whoever, there's so many ways that you can be a parent, so many ways that you can mentor and uplift and, and giving birth through your vision, through your purpose, through your business, whatever you have in your heart that you want to do, do it. While you're on the journey of infertility, go after that job you want to go after. Start that business. You know, you, you know, be an entrepreneur, whatever it is. You still are worthy. So don't lose that.
1: So beautiful, Lana. That was such a wonderful way to wrap up this um, episode with you. And it really has been amazing. So inspirational, having you here. Uh, you've shared so much. You have really uplifted me, and I'm sure you have done so for many other listeners as well. And if there's not, if there's anyone listening that's not following you, please go on Instagram and follow at Hope Still Stands. You really will be inspired and encouraged on a daily basis. So thank you so much, Lana, for using your voice and for all that you do every single day. For sharing your story, for speaking out, for using your voice. Uh, the impact that you're making is so profound and you're not uh, aware of how many lives you're touching globally. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for that you
0: do. Thank you so much, Ola. I really appreciate you. Thank you for this platform and this opportunity to share my story. And I'm grateful for what you are doing. You are using your voice, living in your purpose while you're on your journey. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And I'm just so grateful for all that you are doing. We are turning our pain into purpose. Yes. And I'm grateful for all that you are doing. I'm thank, thankful for the connection. And thank you so much again for this opportunity.
1: Thank you so much uh, for being here today. And we look forward to having you again in the near future. Thank you. And thank you to Ania for allowing us the opportunity to have this recording as well. She's been so quiet. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Thank you.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. And enjoy the
0: rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.